If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. If you have your Bibles, open up to Micah chapter 6. Michael chapter 6. In Micah, one of those little prophetic books in the Old Testament, there's a lot of great prophecy that is given. And there is a statement that's made in chapter 6 and verse 8 that I want to hone in on this morning. I'll do my best to go through and dissect it with you so that we might use it through our week. In the text we read just a moment ago, Hayden read to us Matthew 25. And there's a statement that's made there in the very end. Uh, It's very subtle, uh, but it's mentioned a couple of times. And there's a reason why we use it today. We talk about it today. Uh, The king says to the servant, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well, in order to say well done, you have to do well, right? So we're going to notice this morning that this thought is echoed by a prophet many years before that statement was issued by Christ, that it needs to be said of servants of God that we are good And we are faithful. So we might ask, how can we do that? Well, let's read Micah 6 and verse 8 together. It says, He's shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Those real simple three steps are going to be the highlight of our time together in our study. When we look at Micah's words, the idea is, If we want to do good, if we want to be uh, in a right relationship, if you will, with God, there are things that we must do. Oftentimes, we talk about what God needs to do. You know, God needs to cover our sins by the blood. Uh, God needs to be able to answer our prayers, so forth. What is required of you? What do you need to do? And so the the prophet is revealing to, to his writers, or to his readers, sorry, is that we need to do justly, love mercy, And to walk humbly with God. So let's take it one at a time. Let's talk about what it means to do justly. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, there is the golden rule. You remember it? It says, whatever you want men to do to you, you should do to them also. Remember in Genesis 18 and verse 19, it says, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, speaking of Abraham, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. There's another text in Isaiah says something very similar, that the people of God should seek justice. There's a reason why we're often compelled to watch crime dramas or suspense dramas, is we want the bad guy to get caught. We want there to be justice at the end of the story. So much so that for the last generation, some of the best movies, 
maybe the last two generations, the best movies have been about someone taking vengeance. You know, think about even today's movies coming back out. Uh, it's always that something happened and, and the, the, the justice system didn't do what it was supposed to do. And so it's laying now in the, in the arms of Charles Bronson, you know, the death wish. We were looking for that uh, Sylvester Stallone, you know, to come in and to be able to, to take up arms and go to our rescue. We like those damsel in distress stories where someone has been wronged, a woman has been wronged, and the man, the hero, comes to the aid, comes to help. We prefer justice. We want someone to answer for what has transpired. If someone has sinned against us, if someone has hurt us, we want somebody to apologize. We want somebody to answer for it. In fact, if you'll ever watch during different things on television, major events, you'll hear family members and friends of the victims say, somebody needs to pay, or somebody better answer for this, or there ought to be something done, or this could have been avoided. And as Christians, we want justice. We want what is right. But we also know what truly should have happened to us as sinners. We were condemned. And so we wrestle with that a little bit. You know, we know that what God should do to us, but we know because of his grace and his mercy, he will not do those things to us. And so we wrestle with this, do justly, do justly. I can do the best that I can. I can do what's right. Uh, I know there are times that maybe I may be a little tired or in a hurry or it may be raining and, and I leave the buggy in the space next to the car, right? I know that's wrong, so I should take it to the space. This is not a, this is not a, uh, you know, an entire presentation on what you should do in the Walmart parking lot. But you should, you, you put your buggy away. Why? Because you feel like that's the right thing to do. That's the nice thing to do. You would want someone else to do that for you. We believe in justice. We want to try to be right. We want to try to be well, uh, in, in a good relationship, to say well done to us as servants. But we wrestle with this justice because the second part he talks about is the merciful part. We ought to love mercy. That means that when we see that God has uh, restored something or he has blessed something or if fixed something, and we recognize that the only way that could happen is if God was in it, we see the mercy of God. We see that God is merciful and he is merciful to his to his children. Remember what it says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We could insert just about any word there. But, but Paul wants to use the word glory. That is when I stand in God's presence. I don't know how long my feet would keep me there. We would fall to our knees. Even when Jesus comes back. Remember every eye shall see, every knee shall bow. So we, when we're in the presence of God, we are humbled. And that, again, we'll, we'll get to that next step here in a minute. But we love the mercy of God. It's the reason why we can approach God is because of his mercy. You see, you and I are more like Esther than we know. We probably need someone as a mediator to go in and prepare the king for our arrival but yet we, as Hebrews teaches us, can boldly go to the throne, as Esther did, right up to the king to ask what she wanted. And we ought to have that kind of boldness to recognize we can approach the throne of God because of his mercy. 
And we're warned about the mercy of God in the Old Testament. I mentioned, I think here on the screen, Jonah is a great example. But also, in addition to that, you've got the story of Nadab and Abihu. Did it not appreciate the glory and the presence of God? And they brought strange fire to the Lord. We want to, if we love mercy, and we love the mercy of God, and we love the grace of God, and we see how giving God is, we ought to say, that's how I want to be. I want to be like him. If we're honest, there are times that we approach the throne of God, not just at home in our Bible study life or our prayer life, but even when we come to worship, there are times that we, we oftentimes will, will lack the feeling. We say, well, I'm, I'm, something was missing today. I just didn't feel... People often say they don't come to church because they have this feeling that they just don't feel like they could be present or uh, they're not worthy, in other words. But even when we're here sometimes, we, we get overwhelmed with our emotions. I remember as a child, my mother would cry during communion, and I didn't understand that until I became an adult and realized the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses all sin. But my mom would be overwhelmed with emotion, and that happens to us from time to time. We have this great feeling and it's because of we know what God has done to us. And we're moved. We're moved to give because of what he gives. And we're moved to commune with our brothers and sisters because he's given us a great church family. But we can't go flippantly through worship or just kind of dismiss it as this act and this act and that. But cumulative, it is the corporate worship of the church. And we love being able, we ought to love being able to gather together I was asked so many questions uh, on our trip about how we dealt with COVID and when we came back and how many services we had to do from home. And I said, well, I know exactly how many services we had to do from home. Uh, it was 26. And how did you know that? Well, because we produced the lessons each week. I would come in here and record for Ken and we'd get the songs together and we miss being together. And the churches uh, in, in other areas are just now starting to open up. And come back together. The devil knew what he was doing. When he divided God's people. We come back together. And we're more energized and renewed. When we have arm in arm brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we come back together and we say. We're all reminded of what God has done. And that he is still just as good as he was before the pandemic as he is after. And he is always going to be with his children. And when we go through something difficult, there's always revival around the corner because people are impressed by God's deliverance. They're impressed by his strength and comfort he's given to his people throughout it. And so we do justly, we love mercy and we love his grace and we love what he's done. But the last step here is we walk humbly. We walk humbly. Even though we have the opportunity to see the justice of God and we have the opportunity to understand the grace and the mercy of God, we should not take that for granted. We're reminded in the text, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that if you're to describe a nature of God with holiness, it's usually represented in three parts. That can be emphasized any way. It could be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three parts, holy, holy, holy. Or it could be that when you are going to be in the presence of God, you need to think not twice, but three times about your approach. If I'm going to approach God, a holy God, our heavenly Father who's created all things, I want to remain as humble as I can. And the reason why we're humble is so that God can lift us up. Think of just a few Psalms, Psalm 147.6, the Lord lifts the humble, he casts the wicked down to the ground. 
Psalms 149 and verse 4, For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. There's another one in Proverbs chapter 3, 34. It says, Surely He scorns the scornful, but grace to the humble. And those thoughts are repeated over and over in the New Testament. We can go to James 4, 6. We can go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Repeating that thought from Proverbs chapter 3, that God lifts up the humble. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, I remind us that if we're so full of ourselves, where can He put His Spirit? We have to release, we have to allow those burdens and problems and, and worries and anxieties to lay down at the foot of the cross so that we can then take up His burden, which is to simply just tell people about how good God is and about the gospel of Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. But I need to constantly remain humble. I'm reminded of a story that was a man, in, and I can't remember where exactly it was, but they were giving away awards at church. And one of the awards that was given to this man was the most humble. <laughs> well, he wore the badge all day and wore it to church for the next few weeks. I don't think he really understood the idea of humility. But being humble is recognizing what you deserve and recognizing what you have. What you deserve in life is difficulty. What we deserve when we deal with our difficulties is no one there. But that's not the way it is for someone who's given their life to Christ. When you're burdened and weary, you're never alone. When you don't hear a voice, He's still there. Though you might not see His presence, He's still with you. Walking humbly with God means that I deserve so much worse. But I don't fear hell because I've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't fear the temptations of the devil and the sins of the world as much as I should because he's already delivered me from things. And I know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it comes back to your relationship. To do well, to say well done. And to be good and merciful as a servant of God it starts with a relationship. We talked about this in our class this morning. Who is Jesus to you? When you talk about Jesus, you probably talk about these things. You know, I, I deserved something, but I received something else. I, I, I should have had the penalty of sin, but Jesus rescued me. There are times in our lives we'll have people do something really good for us. Maybe even save us from something terrible or save our life. We can't help but tell people. We want people to know that person's name. We want their name on TV because they've done something good for us. So we talk about how good God is. We talk about how gracious He is. But if we're truly His child, these are the three characteristics He says He desires the most. So I encourage you through this week to think about what it means to do justly. Think about what it means to love mercy and what it means to walk humbly with God. He will lift you up, He will guide you, and He will strengthen you every single step of the way. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. 
www.thepeopleshow.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.